Boxeo is back in the building. In this quarter with Brian Campbell returns and it's ready to knock your block off with the most powerful substance known to man in combat sports today. Yes, another slice of that performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell is the voice that you hear ready to present the year-end awards edition of the ITC Boxing Show following a spectacular 2017, which gave us many moments of gold, both inside the ring and around it. And you know, we prefer that stuff that's going on around it. Before I tag in Big Red and get this party started, I want to wish all the listeners out there a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, whatever you are celebrating, we are celebrating along with you all that good stuff. And let me remind you, to give back this holiday season by heading on over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, to rate, to review. Heck, you know how much we love that. I love you. I make you a okay. It only takes 60 seconds, and it goes a long way. But here we are at the tip of the close of 2017. Just the tip, just for a second. The bag has already been teased, so let me bring in the guy who handles the mess. He's internationally renowned author, television host, Editor. Wait, he's got a lot of jobs, this guy. You know him, you love him, the respecter of all things cruiserweights. Respect Cruising was made. was made for box. Respect was made for box. Rafe Bartholomew, it's 2017, Rafe, for a few more days. What a great year. How the heck are you on the left coast? I'm good, man. It's warm, pretty warm, you know, pretty warm out here compared to y'all. And I, but you know, which means I'm ready to, to you know, get get a little wet, get a little washed, you wow. know, because these, you know, it's 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 the only way to end the year. You got to wind down, get washed. Well, it is the ITC 2017 Boxing Awards, otherwise known as. The washies, Rafe. We got a lot of washies to give out this year. Before we unpack these, and we do have a lot of them, (laughs) give me two minutes here on the year as a whole. We talk a lot about the every other year theory. It seems to make sense. This was a heck of the year. But now as we look back on it, Rafe, was it as good as my banner year 2013 that I always reached for? Or even 2015 with Maypack and all the good fights that sort of circulated around that. Where are you sort of putting 2017 in this decade and this modern era? I, I haven't tried too hard to rank the, the good boxing years. Uh, I think it was, hey, look, 2017, it it deserves the hype. It, it really does. I mean, we got good fights. They made good matches. I mean, you know, so many that that you look back to the first half of the year and you you kind of forget uh, some of that stuff. Wow. You know, Jack DeGale was at the beginning of the year. Thurman Garcia was this year. Some of those Leo huge Frampton, fights at the first. Leo, Leo Frampton, Frampton too. too. Leo reclaiming that title. Um, all that stuff, you know, so, so it was a good year for at the, you know, at the time we got Canelo triple G finally. So it's like, it was a good year at the top of the sport, good year at that next level of elite stuff. And, you know, you can't really, there's nothing to argue with that. And I don't know if I really think that it's going to continue, but I, I do say that, um, there was, you know, I, this compared to previous years, this had, this had a feeling of a year where there were some changes that could have bigger long-term effects yes. on 
boxing, you know, here in America and throughout the world, namely, you know, top ranks deal with ESPN, how that will play out going forward. Will that will having boxing on, you know, America's biggest really like, you know, hegemonic sports network. Hegemonic. Wow. Wow. Hegemonic. Even despite any troubles and layoffs, you know, there's still it's it's still a channel that people, you know, it's really the main thing you turn on when you're looking for sports. Um, But uh, so anyway, but like, yeah, like having having boxing there for four years, probably at a pretty high level, hopefully, you know, top rank keeps making more or less good fights throughout that. is that going to change things for the sport? And then the other question, uh, I would say, you know, the Hearn invasion. Is America going to be able to earn with Hearn? I hope so. I think it's good for the sport to have that sort of talented bucket of UK fighters available to to an American audience. I think you, you nailed it in terms of the fan accessibility and likability of the sport. Appear, unless the every other year thing is going to continue, we appear headed in a good way. It's not just top rank. I mean, Showtime's pretty loaded with what's left of the PBC. And for as much as we crap on HBO, and by the way, we, they do deserve it in certain tenses, they're still giving us, like, incredible fight of the year contenders almost every other week. So they're not giving us the big marquee bouts, and too many fights are going to pay-per-view. But we're still getting these 130-pound wars. And by the way, all five of my fight of the year candidates all aired on HBO. So that's a high five to them. But that's encouraging the fact that the Mayweather-Pacquiao era finally appears to be over. And that next group of guys, you know, the Spences, the Thurmans, they appear to be fun and ready and good. You got some action down low in the low weight classes. And at the top, you have the heavyweight division feeling restored feeling you know like a renaissance it's just it's a good time it's a good feeling i know it's all probably gonna get ruined in three months but let's savor the flavor and enjoy rafe as we look back at the year that was the first washi we want to give out is, is is pretty traditional here fight of the year rafe let me run down a couple that didn't make it the Anthony Joshua Vladimir Klitschko heavyweight tussle from April. The Miguel Roman Orlando Salido brawl from December. The Triple G Canelo super fight that actually lived up to expectations. And shout out to Takashi Miura and Miguel Roman. And really shout out, Rafe, to Miguel Burchell, to Francisco Vargas, to all of those guys at 130 who traded each other in the fight of the year contenders. Those are our runners up. Here's our winner. Let's hear it. For the ITC fight of the year. She used to get sore rung visai. Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez won March 18th. MSG in NYC. Rafe, to many publications, this could be a controversial choice because of the great feels we got from Joshua Klitschko. But I love this fight so much. I was ringside for it. It was bloody. It was brutal. It was controversial. It meant something with unbeaten Chocolatito coming in as the number one pound for pound. What'd you like about it? Oh, oh, hell no, Brian. God, no. Um, Emmanuel Stewart does does not uh, does not approve from the heavens on this on on this choice. Maybe a little controversial. Um, you know, a great fight. You know. Possibly, you know, I, I'm, you know, you sound a little bit like a hipster here going for the, you know, a Superfly type fight in their fight of the year. We've been here before. Um, uh, no, that's a worthy choice. I think the consensus obviously is Joshua Klitschko because it had, you know, the momentum swings and the huge stage and the historical impact. The fact that it really felt like it could be if Joshua continues and, and becomes that kind of, you know, uh, at least the best heavyweight of his era, um, then that it could have been that real changing of the guard moment. So that that, I, that makes sense. Um, 
I'm going to say, and I this this is a weird thing. I have some internal conflicts. My personal sort of what I think is going to, and this is this is a shout out to our boy, the ultimate boy, James Foley. You used to hear him on uh, the podcast with uh, with Patrick Connor, um, and and read him on Bad Left Hook. You know. Foley, you know, made this argument to me and it hurts me to say, I think it's Canelo Triple G because that's the, even though, you know, it was so deflating to get that draw. um, And even though it didn't have the knockdowns and and the momentum swings were were back and forth, but not as great as Peter, you know, they they just, it wasn't, it was unclear if these guys were hurt, how bad these guys were hurting each other. But because because of the controversy, because of the stage, because it was so tense watching that fight, that's the one that we're going to be arguing about in 10 years, maybe in 20 years. It had almost everything. Yeah, it had almost everything, right? It even had controversy, which I think sometimes helps the idea of a fight of the year because you'll remember it more. I just think that one was uh, a little too tactical, although you got the action to win this. And I think what holds back anyone going, what are you? Are you crazy? How is this not Joshua Klitschko is as much as that fight meant something and it mattered. That wasn't great all the way through. And that's ultimately why I I love Sarong Visay Gonzalez, because this wasn't just like one of these low weight brawls where you're like, all right, if you just love, you know, unfiltered action, you can go for this kind of like that great 2006 one in France, right? But, you know, Sam Chikal or whatever the guy's name was against the other guy. I mean, no disrespect to those guys. It's hard to remember their names. Great fight. This fight meant a lot more. You had the pound for pound king in it, and it was 12 rounds back and forth of action. I don't hate the sort of angle, though, that says Triple G Canelo was so marquee and it actually lived up to expectations. Shouldn't that get the lift? Look, I had it third overall. I think it's pretty darn close, right? It's like it's right there. It's right in that wheelhouse. Or I think I had it third or fourth. It was a really good year for fight of the year contenders. But Rafe, think back on that Rung Visai Chocolatino, man. Blood and brutality. Like every punch was a power shot. Like that was some intense stuff. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I, I think I, I, I was. I, this was like my last couple of weeks when I was still back in Manila back then, and I didn't get to watch it live. I was watching pretty on a, on a. My first time watching was on a pretty grainy stream. Uh, internet connection wasn't great, so it, that might have affected me not getting quite as caught up in the moment for that fight. But clearly, I mean, historical also, if it indeed sort of is the end of. Uh, of uh, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez as an elite fighter. Yeah, that's that's uh, you know a big part of it. You know, obviously in the rematch he got knocked out and that and that sort of that was the quick fall. But I think you mix in that Sarongusai came out. I mean, from out of nowhere, Rafe. Like the previous five opponents had all been guys making their debut or losing records. And and although he had one title fight before that, he had never fought outside of Asia. Like this guy was really like, who the heck is this guy? And to walk in there against a pound for pound king. And, I mean, he didn't take a step backwards. That's what made the fight so good. It was Chocolatito, who was bleeding from a cut, who had been knocked down in round one, who was really trying to make the fight. And CompuBox-wise, did have a huge advantage. But, man, Sarungvasais fought like a beast. Uh, you know, I'm, I'll am i admit, I was ringside for it. It was one of those where I got dialed in like I was for Salido, uh, Roman, you know, Martinez, too, where I was just like, man, has anybody else experienced what I'm experiencing? Is the drug kicking in for you like it's kicking in for me because this is awesome. And sometimes you get so sucked in and dialed in, it, it can change your, your uh, you know, memory and expectations and all that. But uh, shout out to these superflies, okay? Shout out to Cliff Rold, who probably had a had a uh, large tent pitch that night, deservedly, deservedly so. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, we got Super Flag 2 coming up soon in February, so the, 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 keep that tent up. You know, it's 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 time to explode. All right, Rafe, the ITC Fighter of the Year, the Washi runners-up. Look, this was a weird year where I didn't feel like there was one slam dunk person. I think that you can make a case for three to four guys, and all the cases will be, you know, argumentatively so. I think there wasn't one guy who had two giant wins, right? There was guys who either had a Nonito Donaire 2012 type of case, or there were guys who had one really big win but didn't package anything with that. The runners-up for the Washi for Fight of the Year, Vasily Lomachenko, Gennady Golovkin, Terrence Crawford, Srisiketsor Rungvisai, and Mikey Garcia. But the winner, Rafe, of the Washi, Anthony Joshua. They call me a hypocrite here, Rafe. But sort of the same argument that you can make for Joshua Klitschko being the fight of the year, which I didn't award, I'm almost using that same argument to fuel my idea that Joshua is your fighter of the year. He carried on his back, Rafe, in only his 20th pro fight, 19th and 20th pro fights, right? Carried on his back the, the, the whole revival and resuscitation of the heavyweight division. Got up off the canvas to knock out a true legend. Had a second fight that was harder than expected and gutted it out despite, you know, hurting his nose early on. And number two, became the biggest star in the sport in the process in front of crowds when you add them together that were nearly 200,000 people watching. I mean, I know Carl Frotch, right? Like, it's just not like... Not quite 80,000 though, was it tonight? No, no, Carl. It was <laughs> 90,000. It was 90,000 the first time around. Rafe, when you factor in the star power, the bringing back the heavyweights, the fact that he's only 20 fights in. Anthony Josh is my fighter of the year. You got any issues with that? I, I, I wouldn't say issues. You know, it makes sense. It's fair. You know, he fought twice. He got, you know, you know. but to me, I, I'm, I'm a Vasily guy. You got, I think that if you, he basically planted his flag this year. Lomachenko planted the flag as, I would say, basically close to a consensus pound-for-pound pound best fight, active fighter in the world. And and hopefully Terrence Crawford gets a chance with some good matchups to to sort of make his case. And Errol Spence starts to get those matchups as well. So we can start to, to sort of, I mean, not, not that we'd ever really be able to tell unless these guys end up in the same weight classes and can fight each other. But, we you know, we get to see these other guys make their case as well. But Lomachenko made his case. He beat Rigo. He, he I mean, he, he washed Rigo. Uh, and, you know, there were some issues with the matchup. Sure, the weight classes and the age. But, you know, we both thought that it was possible. There was that chance that Rigondeau would be able to to compete. And he just didn't. He, he looked yeah, like every other Lomachenko well, opponent. Rigo robbed him of the fighter of the year award for me. And it's that, that's a, kind of a weird and dumb argument, you could say. And it's like, what else do you want Vasily to do? He won three times. He became the pound-for-pound pound number one. He fought on ESPN twice and did good ratings. What else do you want you to do? I think he just didn't have that one marquee victory that left no doubt. He fought a guy who we thought maybe could push him, who was moving up two weight classes, and instead Lomachenko dominated to such a degree that it almost weakened the strength of that victory. And it's not his fault. And I have no problem anyone giving him this award. I had him number two. I had him as my runner-up. I just think, man, he was really that one win away from doing it. I think Crawford, which was the ESPN Dan Rayfield pick, I felt that was a little bit more of a stretch because even though he unified the four titles, he also didn't have a huge marquee win. Beat Felix Diaz, beat Julius Ndongo, didn't get that you know Manny Pacquiao fight that he would have wanted or deserved. I think the guy that got robbed, though, as a whole 
was really Triple G. And tell me if I'm wrong here, Rafe, because if it wasn't for Adelaide Bird, or as uh, Danny Jacobs likes to call her, the adolescent bird. If it wasn't for her scorecard, Rafe, Gennady Golovkin's your fighter of the year, is he not? Because he would have beaten Daniel Jacobs in a really close fight, and he would have beaten Canelo Alvarez in the biggest match of the year in boxing in terms of what matters in boxing, and he gets a draw. I had him third because obviously I had Gennady winning that fight, so I, I give him you know the number three on the ballot. Do you think he would have won it with with a clear win there over Canelo? Yeah, especially in this year where the field there there really was no clear cut answer, and and all of these guy all of these fighters have a, some kind of decent case that you can that you can make for him. So yeah, if he had gotten the win in that biggest you know the biggest fight of the year, biggest fight of his career, the win that I think and a lot of people think you know he deserved then yeah it just becomes a easy okay he got that win that that you know it's like one of those things you get a win in that year on that level and basically makes you the fighter of the year but you know sorry you know that that adolescent came in and and uh and and put the kibosh on it and uh you know i have no problem would i have a problem if somebody gave it to sore rung Vasa? i guess no it, it would be a little bit more of a hipster debate to give him fighter of the year but again, he came from out of nowhere. He dethroned the pound for pound king once controversially in a great fight, second with no controversy whatsoever. I mean, he took Chocolatito's soul that second time around, arguably the knockout of the year. It's more of a Glenn Johnson 2004 or Carlos Baldemir 2006 sort of Cinderella man type of argument. And maybe in another year, even though I just told you that this was a weak year for top candidates, maybe in another year, Sri Saket could have won it. But he finishes outside. Shout out to Mikey Garcia. I think you could have made non-legitimate cases for Errol Spence and Andre Ward based on how huge their one victory was, but ultimately, it's hard to win this off of one victory. That's why I couldn't give it to Floyd in 2015 for just the Pacquiao fight. We kind of threw out that Berto fight, right? That's why I gave it to Canelo that year. I felt he had sort of made big, a more of a leap. It's Look, it's a gray area. What are you going to do? It's, it's the, that's the game. I want to shout out, you know, who who I think might have gotten some lo- back-end love on this, whoa, but whoa, didn't get to love? fight a lot. Yeah, you hear me. Yeah. Uh, but didn't get to fight a lot in the second half of the year. Badu Jack, man. I mean, I know that that first fight against the Gale was a draw. I thought he did enough to win it. Uh, and then just washing uh, Nathan Cleverly in a way that we haven't seen Forced him to done since, since Kovalev. He retired uh, him in that fight. Yeah, he retired cleverly. Um that was that was you know just his progression as a fighter he's got that he's got nice positive career momentum and and i'm you know hopefully he ends up being the guy they line up to to finally get a legitimate shot at Adonis Stevenson, which I don't know if he could beat Stevenson, but that would be a great fight for 2018. Yeah, I think, you know, in the same way with Golovkin getting screwed on that draw, I thought that was a fight that Badu Jack, uh, you know, showed up that he won against James DeGale. It would have been a great win. He would have had a shot for sure in this argument. Same thing with Leo. One big win, second fight, not so much, you know. We'll see. But KO of the year time, Rafe, as we roll through the more legitimate washies that we are going to hand out. Look, this was a really competitive year. I, I went 10 deep in sort of ranking it for my story on CBSSports.com and felt that anyone, 1 through 10, more or less could have made an argument for this. You know, the two Jermel Charlo knockouts, by the way, were fantastic and weren't even Thank in my you. top five. So uh, here's my runners up here, Rafe. Mikey Garcia when he took Slatikane, uh, Slatichin in Seoul in January, that David Lemieux, uh, uh, Stevens, uh, what's my what's my man's first name? Showtime, Showtime. Curtis. Curtis Stevens got, got caught up there, was as brutal as it gets. Hey, this one, the Zolani Tete one, right? The, the Bantamweight title defense, 11 seconds, first punch he threw, he knocks out 
Saibo Nisio Ganya. I mean, that was like incredible. Just comes in with a lead right hook. And one that nobody's giving love, and this is my true runner-up, David Benavidez's seven-punch combination to knock out Porky Medina, send him underneath the bottom rope after 17 unanswered punches. That was sick. But, Rafe, there can only be one winner for the Washi of knockout of the year. Deontay Wilder, KO1, Berman Stavern, two, November 4th, Barclays Center, the rematch that we didn't want, that Wilder didn't want. Rafe, this wasn't like a clean one-punch shot, but it was a brutal combination that left Stavern looking like he was doing the limbo. I mean, his body folded up like an accordion, and referee Arthur McCanty Jr., really to put the exclamation point on the knockout, had to physically tackle Wilder to get him off of him. The reason why this is number one for me and why I want to make that argument, not just because I'm a Showtime company man with a CBS relationship, all that stuff, is Wilder was so nasty, scary nasty, that if he could be like that every fight, he'd be, you know, even more impressive than he's already been. What do you think? Knockout of the year. I, I, I love it. Oh, Brian. Oh, Brian, 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 Brian. When, when are you going to find whatever it is that you're looking for? Um, I don't know, man. No, I, I, I don't see it. I mean, Berman Stavern. <sighs> oh, God. Oh, God, God. He, he got, he, yeah. Oh, hell no, Brian. Oh, uh, he got, he got. He he got black pilled on the first fight. I think he got black pilled again uh, for this one. I mean, Berman Stavern looked like, you know, worse than Dudu. He was worse. He was like a Dudu Nagumbu out there. I mean, it was just, uh, there's, no, you know, I I just it was that knockout. I it just wasn't a fight. Like I don't even know what to say. Uh, I, I the the, the but it pictures was a afterwards. It was a Berman all folded up. Those were great photos. It made for a great still shot of a knockout, but. It just doesn't – it didn't – nothing about that. It all felt like a farce, uh, and, and, you know, I, I just can't give the guy credit for that. Or I guess he gets credit for it, but I don't – it just doesn't move me in that way. Will, I'm a Lemieux Stevens guy. That was just a classic, yeah. you know, cold – you know, one shot, knock you out cold, Randall Bailey style, you know? It was. That's as brutal as it gets where for, you know, three seconds – you think Curtis Stevens might be dead, and they did that aerial shot from the apron looking down on Stevens who had rolled under the bottom rope, and his eyes are open, and he's sort of eerily just laying there. I mean, that's as, that's as rough as it gets. I just think that, look, your knockout to the year, you want it to be a brutal punch. You want the body to fall in almost a theatrical sort of way. I just think that that punch was so short, almost like Rocky Marciano, you know, Joe Frazier style, that it almost robbed from the spectacular. Like, if that, fight, if that punch had landed in the middle of the ring, I think that's your winner. I think it gets the ropes. It sort of muted the impact visually of it, if I'm making any sense in how you look at these as artistic statements. And I think what helps Wilder, although you're right, Stephen, two years idle, came, comes in really fat, was not there to fight. It still was a heavyweight championship fight, so the fight mattered. And Wilder did the best that he could to put the exclamation point and get him out. And the way that he ran across the ring to do, like, when you're playing Madden and you hit the L1 button to sort of juke left to right, he sort of did that move and then lands a vicious three-punch combination. I felt it was enough to give him the nod. I certainly, like I said, I'll hear any other argument because those two uh, Jermel Charlo ones were as, as good as any any this year. I mean, let's be really honest. That one where he almost killed Charles Hatley and sent him under the rope and he, Hatley hit his head on a camera. Like, that was, I mean, it's as vicious as it gets, Rafe. It's a good year. Good year for this stuff. No doubt. All right, Rafe. Let's head over to best win of the year. And I sort of like having this category and this award because some guys, you know, ha have these wins that just mean more. So it's not your knockout of the year. It, it doesn't always give somebody the, the boost to be fighter of the year. But there are certain wins 
whether it be against a pound-for-pound guy, whether somebody came from behind to do it, whether the odds were against them that mean more than others. Our runners-up for win, best win of the year, Anthony Joshua against Vladimir Klitschko in April, and Andre Ward in the Sergey Kovalev rematch in June, with very, which very well could have won this award. But there's only one person that can win the Washi. <laughs> And that is Errol Spence Jr., May 27th in Sheffield, England, forces Kell Brook to quit with the broken orbital bone to claim a welterweight world title. Brook was just, you know, flirting on the outside, really, of that top 10 pound for pound. Spence just steps up onto the throne and says, I am that guy. Rafe, this was impressive stuff when you consider he went into the opponent's backyard, you know, against a nonpartisan crowd here. Oh yeah, no, that's, that's really me. what what yeah I get it. we get it we hear you we we smell what you're cooking over there I hear Jimmy don't worry um yeah just that's the thing Errol Spence going to the UK and and really I thought fighting what looked like a a good version of of Kell Brook early in that fight Brook was moving he was he was winning a few rounds by just with activity and and jabbing and basically you know being better than than other guys uh, Errol Spence has faced in the past. And, you know, then Spence just took over, just broke him down, you know, broke him down to the body, obviously broke, broke his, you know, hit him hard enough in the face to, to, you know, to break an orbital bone and, and, you know, end the fight that way. And it was, uh, it was really impressive, just the composure, everything. And the crazy thing is Errol Spence has looked so good over his, the course of his career so far that it almost, it wasn't really a surprise. It was, it was basically the fight that a lot of us expected to see. Uh, and, and he just went over there and is, you know, it kind of reminds me of the, I mean, this is probably way too, getting put a little bit ahead of myself and, and going a little crazy with the cross sport comparisons, but it kind of reminds me of the way that like you see a guy like the way that like LeBron James, every time he is supposed to, he's always lived up to that hype, you know, and he just looks, he belongs there. He is that sure. guy, like you said, and Errol Spence looks like he is that guy in boxing and we'll see if he continues to to be that guy as he continues to face better and better competition. And I think what separates this win, let's say, from Andre Ward's victory over Kovalev in the rematch was that Brook put on a really tough performance, whereas Kovalev kind of came up empty in terms of giving the best of himself for the second straight time against Ward. I think this was the best of what that version of Brook had left. This was not an easy fight for Spence. He didn't go through there and, you know, dismantle him systematically. You know what I mean? This was a hard fight where Spence had to show us that he had a chin, had to show us that he had a backboard, had to show us that he had the poise to be able to walk into enemy territory and pull this off. And if you really think about that debate we just had for Fighter of the Year, it's kind of tough when you're talking about Spence that he wasn't able to to package that second victory with it because that was the type of victory that really was the foundation to win the Fighter of the Year, where he'd won you know Prospect of the Year multiple times in a row on other publications. This was the year that he became a man, but you know how that PBC schedule rolls sometimes. You sort of get one fight and uh, it can be a little thin every now and then. I don't really know how that works, Rafe. I'm not really you know a, a lot you know I can't really speak on this, but heck of a victory there, Rafe. On the other side, there's victory. Victory and then there's defeat, but there's also valiant effort in losing in the style of, you know, Andre Berto and Jesus Soto Carras back in the day where Berto with one arm, right, just would not stop trying to win the fight. Our runners up for the ITC valiant effort in a loss this year are Carlos Takam against Anthony Joshua you know, was really willing to, to go out on a shield to make that happen. Vladimir Klitschko against Anthony Joshua. 
Austin Trout against Jared Hurd in that junior middleweight title fight that produced a ton of action, but there can only be one. And the washi goes to my brother, Luke Campbell, against Jorge Linares in their 130-pound title fight September 23rd at the Forum in Englewood. Rafe, take us back there. Were you there? Were you there that night? I was not there that night, but I, I, I was watching. And, uh, man, I mean, it was, you know, he got knocked down early. Linares looked super sharp. I mean, Linares is another guy really seems to have turned his career around after those sort of really bad flash losses to Sergio Thompson and getting his face taken off by Antonio DeMarco. <laughs> um, you know, now he's, you know, he, he he's looking, you know, he seems to have figured it out at least against the level of competition that he's faced, which is not bad. It's not the greatest, but it's not bad. And he, and he is the way that Manny, you know, Manny Pacquiao used to be the executioner. And before that, you know, I guess you could say that Roger Mayweather uh, to some extent. Um, but like, you know, the, 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 the way that he's running through, the way that Linares is running through UK opponents has been pretty impressive. Um, and Luke Campbell, I think, looked better than any of the guys that that uh, that Linares has beaten from from over there. And you know, he's he, yeah. There was that early knockdown in the second round. Campbell fought back, got back in the fight. Some people thought he really closed the gap and made it close. I thought Linares, you know, won pretty clearly. But man. Campbell looked like the Olympian that that he you know he's he was as a prospect and and a guy who will be you know contending and probably eventually will get his I think look good enough to get his hands on some version of a 135 pound title uh, as his career goes ahead uh, you know I and and really the big story here is he did all that we learned after the fight while being only a couple weeks out of, uh, you know, his father dying, you know, during the camp, and it kept uh, he secret. kept it quiet, didn't want to, didn't want to have that as an excuse or something that the other camp might try to use, you know, just sort of play mind games or anything. Didn't play any kind of, you know, it just really carried it in such a, a dignified, a, a admirable way, both be you know, before, even though no one knew it during and after the fight. And, you know, everyone can handle grief. You know, it's, it's grief is grief. You can you can turn into a, a puddle of tears right away and and no one's going to judge that. But the way that uh, Luke Campbell did it, you know, and of course, strong, strong, strong roots in the Campbell family. I mean, got to oh, give absolutely. you guys credit. He nearly the way had Luke his, Campbell did it. He nearly had his touch me, man. He's nearly had his Darren Barker moment. You know, it would have been it would have been really special. Came as close as you can. I do want to say one thing before closing on this. Maybe this was my second runner-up. You got to give Vladimir Klitschko a shout out for the effort against Anthony mm. Joshua. And when we just we had always said, you know, I was the big a big critic of you know Klitschko's reign and and the validity of it historically, considering the competition he faced. And we always said, you know, what if he actually does finally face a puncher who knows how to put punches together and get to that chin? You know, he's going to go down like you did against Brewster or, or against Corey Sanders or whatever. I mean, we sort of had that stigma in the back of his mind. Rafe, not a lot of guys at forty-one come off of a long layoff when they're not known for, let's say, you know, having to give a lot of heart. I mean, he, of course, there was that fight against Sam Peter in 2005, right, where he got off the canvas three times. But for him to put forth that performance in a loss, he never stopped trying to win. He endured brutal knockdowns and kept getting up. You got to at least, you know, you got you to give old Vlad the shout out there. Dr. Steelhammer, hats off to you. Congrats on your Hall of Fame career. You'll join your brother soon. Um, and I, I love also, Brian, I just love this category. I mean, boxing, you know, there are those handful of fights every year that where you just, you know, because it, it was either in a good fight or under certain circumstances, you come out 
feeling really powerfully about the loser, you know, just you can lose in such a, I mean, it, I'm sure those losses are crushing to the, 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 the fighters in those cases, but hopefully uh, they, they, you know, uh, they realize just sort of what a special, you know, what, what, a, what, what a amazing thing they've just done, even in a losing effort, uh, maybe not right away, but down the line. No question about it. Rafe, we got too many awards. We need to move on. The James Bag Jr. Memorial Boxing Twitter Fan of the Year Award will make its debut. If you're not following James Bag Jr. on Twitter, the legend himself, the great Twitter boxeo troll, and now growing MMA UFC boxeo troll after last year's debacle of boxing that got him to now watch men doing, you know, touch butt stuff and all that stuff, as he likes to say. This guy is the best going on Twitter, so we named the award after him. But we had a supporter this year of the ITC Boxing Pod, going back to the ropes days, a guy who was an admirer of all things ADK. And this year's award goes to at the... Alex Godinez, who loves Carl Frotch and loves this show more than anyone I have ever heard from. His constant uh, attacks on us on Twitter for to take any boxing news and sort of look at it through the lens of 80,000 fans at Wembley Stadium. You got to give this guy, you know, uh, uh, put some hands together for his effort. So as a tribute to Alex Godinez, we will play some Frotch sound. 80,000 at Wembley Stadium. Perfectly on George Groves' chin and flattened him in front of 80,000 fans at the Wembley Stadium. I want to ask you, Floyd, if you don't mind. In my last fight, before before I knocked out George Groves at Wembley Stadium in front of 80,000 fans, I worked. Shout out to Alex Godinez, Rafe. The guy is consistent. Oh yes, and I, you know, 80,000 hand claps to to him because he deserves every single one of them, but not one over 80,000 because that is the golden number. Absolutely. All right, Rafe, boxing Twitter fighter of the year. And by the way, this is a so, an all-encompassing social media award, including Instagram and anywhere else. Which fighter have left us the most entertained that we liked interacting with? All of that good stuff. Our runners-up this year are Billy Joe Saunders, boxing Twitter's own Caleb Truax, the IBF super middleweight champion, and Deontay Wilder, who's not afraid to post videos of himself whining very often that become entertaining. But Rafe... I got to go with Tyson Fury as my winner this year. I mean, are you kidding me? Who else can constantly, consistently react to anything going on in life with a video? Who else can just constantly just, you know. Baby, I just don't get it. Do you enjoy being heard? I know you smell the perfume, the makeup on your shirt. You don't believe these stories. You know that they're all lies. Bad as you want, stick around. But I just don't know why if I was your man. Oh, yeah, I can go all day with that. Rafe, he, to me, is the slam dunk choice. But I feel like I'm really missing some in the runners-up category in terms of the work people are doing on IG. Do you agree with Fury? And, and where are my holes here? Oh, you got to <laughs> watch out. Um, you got to, <laughs> yes, uh, Fury uh, is really hard to come up with. I mean, I think I've gotten lost on his Instagram page for over 20 minutes, like on a dozen different occasions. You just, it just never stops. You just find more and more and more from him. It's good stuff. I mean, the the dancing videos, the singing, his weird musical taste that seems to be mostly either R&B or, you know, really old 
crooner classics. It's a little bit of, and then I, what I really love is when he brings in the the bad '90s dance music. Like he'll just he'll just bring in some CC Peniston and just go <laughs> very very earnestly hard on it. He's you know between that the rants the crazy quotes. He's yes he Tyson Fury uh, is that guy. He is he is that funny. Um, who else is really good? Uh, you know, Vasily uh, AB has quieted down. You know, we don't have yeah. like the crazy antics anymore from Broner, which uh, hopefully that means he's. I don't know if that necessarily means he's doing more positive things, but but I'll I'll, I'll cross my fingers for that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, nobody comes immediately to mind as long as you got the the two Gypsy Boys. You know, and I use that term uh, because they use it themselves. Um, Wait, when you, you know, say- as long as you got them. When you say Gypsy Boys, you mean like, uh... Oh, Gypsy Boys! Oh, the Irish crew! Hey, hey. Here we go! Oh, yeah. Rising! Chicken punches like Mike Tyson! Step in the ring and here we go, yo! Punch up! Let Mike go from Bruno! Oh, I love the shout-out to Bruno there. Yeah, I mean, Vasily Lomacheco on IG is a trip to follow. I did forget him, but, uh... I, I just thought you were going to hit me with some Russian cruiserweights that I have never heard of before. That just... All those guys. I mean, really, every every fighter in Russia, Lebedev, you know, Rub-a-Dub, uh, you know, Kudrashov, Dmitry, the, 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 well, these, speaking even of... With... Even without his soul, uh, which he lost in a in an epic cruiserweight, not really that epic, but he lost in a, by being knocked out. Well, hold out that thought, hold fashion. that thought, Rafe. We have an yes. award for the tease the bag moment of the year, and as you know from listening to this podcast, if you t- in fact tease the bag, you're getting the mess. And the winner, Dmitry Kudryashov. From his TKO2 loss September 23rd at the Alamo Dome against Unier Cool Ranch door to coast. For anyone that forgot, Rafe, relive this moment for us. Oh my God! Did you? Has anyone forgot this moment? First of all, it took place in the most important boxing development of 2017, which was the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Tournament, which is on its way to a fantastic semifinal round early next year. Um, thank you, Richard Schaefer, for for creating this moment, bringing the cruiserweights to a little bit of the attention they deserve. But yes, this was a, a first round matchup. Dorticos, the Dorito man, the, the 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 you know big punching, good boxing Cuban cruiserweight with one of the belts chose Kudrashov, which was maybe you know a little 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 risky. Yes, he seemed like the better fighter with enough power, but Kudrashov is just this guy. You know, he calls himself the Russian Hammer, and he he takes pictures of himself, like we were saying on Instagram, with a lot of hammers, and he has really just like crumbled people with with some of these giant sort of slow moving sweeping left hooks he throws uh and and it was a little you know both guys were kind of teasing the bag a little bit in this fight cuz they they stood across from each other in the first round and really just threw neither guy was really going to say I'm going to respect your power that much and uh well yeah, what happens when you tease the bag is you get the mess. Kudrashov continued teasing the bag with his slower hands and poorer boxing, you know, just all-around skill compared to Dortico's. And in the second round, left this sort of lazy jab out there and didn't even move anywhere afterwards for what felt like three seconds. So Dortico's just says, okay, <laughs> pop, right hand. And Kudrashov goes down, you know, didn't go down out cold, but but brought his head back up in the classic Curtis Stevens just got knocked down by Triple G way where his eyes are rolling back in his head. And he's like, oh, that what just happened. He couldn't beat the count. That's the end of the fight. You tease the bag. You get the mess, Dimitri. But I hope you'll be back 
to entertain us in more sort of mid-level, sloppy cruiserweight Super Bowls. Yes, yes. Moving on, Rafe, to our feel spot moment of the year. Anyone who listens to the wrestling, pro wrestling version of the ITC podcast knows that the feel spot moments are those times when you're no longer a journalist. You're just an unbridled fan who just gets caught in that moment and enjoys it. It Sometimes it can touch the heartstrings. Sometimes it's just that moment of, yes, the runners up this year, Rafe. Caleb Truax's Cinderella run to that IBF super middleweight title when he won one for boxing Twitter against James DeGale and Jim Lampley showing Miguel Cotto a video of his kids talking about him in that HBO special ahead of his retirement bout, which Lamps had Cotto on the couch and it was tears everywhere. Those are your runners up, Rafe. But the winner of the feel spot moment of the year. I don't know if this is controversial, but day two of the Mayweather-McGregor tour in Toronto. And I know we had to sort of work in at least one mention of this fight this year because it was the biggest fight of 2017 and the second biggest in boxing history. But, Rafe, for all the bad things that eventually happened on the second half of that four-day international media tour, I think we do have to go back and give a shout-out to the peak, the mountaintop moment. Day two in Toronto and that outdoor amphitheater when Floyd and Connor were like doing performance art level type stuff with the trash talking, with sort of the planned skits that they had with the backpack, with the, you can't read jokes. And uh, maybe you didn't catch the feels like I did, but in that moment, I no longer felt the stank, the smell of this circus, you know, celebrity carnival fight that none of us really wanted in that moment. I got caught up and said, you know what, when you put two all time, great sellers together and just roll out the ball and let them entertain you like the entertainment aspect of this fight is better than almost anything else in real competitive boxing. In that moment, I was so caught up in it and boy, did that hangover come quick the next night in Brooklyn when I was there and it all fell apart. But Rafe, tell me if I'm wrong. Night two, Toronto there. It was a, it hit me right in the field, Smock. I got caught up in the moment. I was so into it. I was ready to pay two hundred bucks to see that fight. That's I feel. Look, I, you are you are the expert on field spots, Brian. We like I think your audience knows that, and I'm willing to defer to you here. I you know for Mayweather McGregor, I was always I, I I tried to, and I think I managed to keep a, a a sort of healthy level of distance the whole time, where it's like oh, I know this is going to happen. It's going to be a big deal in its own way. But I'm not going to get too wrapped up in it. So I, that one didn't touch the feel spot. You know, I'm going to throw a little feel spot shout out to uh, our guy, St. George Groves, you know, who finally stepped up and won that super middleweight title that he's been chasing for so long. And he's been through a lot. He got cobra twice, once quite famously in front of 80,000 people at Wembley Stadium, which was a record at the time, if you weren't aware. Uh, you know, he, and, and you know, it fell short again when he fought, when he fought Badu Jack. And we were, we were both at that fight, got knocked down early, kind of, you know, worked his way back in the fight, but couldn't get over the hump. And just, you know, he's a guy who, is a, so it can get a little goofy, you know, I mean, but, but someone who, who had just been right at that on the cusp for so long and, and really fought great in that first fight against Frotch, but just got physically overwhelmed and got kind of stopped early, even though I think he was on the way out. It's just good to see him get over the hump. You know, it was a cool moment. And, uh, you know, I mean that his fight early next year in the, in the super middleweight, oh, yeah. uh, semifinals against, 
Eubank Jr. And that is going to be a fantastic, fun fight. Oh, yeah. I'm fired. You heard that. No, I'm fired up just, just for that fight. There's no doubt about it. That was a good moment. We may have overlooked, although the Warlock in his lone appearance on our podcast this year did put that over big. Rafe, look, we got we have fun a lot with washed fighters. We play prime washed. We declare if somebody has entered the version of their career. We want to give out two washed awards this year. For two the, washies for the washed. You know, two washies for the washed. First, the positive, and sort of define this category, is a washed performance from a fighter who sort of overachieved in a spot. You know, and, I, and there's there's historical comparisons, again, you know, like this. You know, I mean, you remember when washed Gabe Campillo knocked out Thomas Williams Jr. on Friday Night Fights? You remember when you washed George Foreman knocked out Michael Moore? I mean, there's there's been some really good washed victories in history we had a couple this year, at least good performances. Runners up, washed Pacquiao battling it out with Jeff Horn. Washed Glenn Tapia pushing Jason Quigley to the limit and losing by decision, but not getting knocked out in the opening round like we all thought and actually making that a fun fight. But there can only be one. And the winner for best performance by a washed fighter? Shout out to Ishe Smith in his junior middleweight loss to Julian J. Rock Williams, a 10-round decision November 18th at the Cosmo in Las Vegas. Rafe, I don't know if you were tuning into uh, what's that uh, PBC? Was it bounce? It might have been bounce on Bounce TV. TV. It was a bad feed. It was you know it was shaky. It was uh, that dude. Uh, is it Fran Charles was on the call there? It sort of felt like uh, I was watching an SD because I probably was. But Ishe, like he's done, by the way, in recent fights in recent years against like Vanus, against, you know, some other guys, man, he this old version of Ishe just goes for it, like makes it a fight and pushes the envelope. I thought you could have had an outside case that he deserved to draw on this one, fought his heart out and he made J-Rock kind of look bad. Well, yeah, and, and Ishe, you know, good. For, this is I, I appreciate it because this is the second time he's done it, right? He gave, it was just the, the, that fight with Vanis a couple of years ago was really a lot of fun, great, uh, and and he doesn't he comes back and hopefully he keeps getting some chances. It's, you know, he's sort of stuck now. I mean, a couple of these these close losses, he's getting uh, into gatekeeper territory, which is probably where he belongs in at this point in his career. But shoot, you know, it's it's at least he's PBC and probably getting paid well to be a gatekeeper. So go for it, and and he's and he's doing that role in the bet and sort of like the old like the the late career glenn johnson way where he's still gonna come and give you a great fight and uh even if that involves disappointingly losing to andrew fanfara on friday night fights man i can't I, I, glenn man i, I never forgive Fanfara never for beating that. glenn but hey final uh, shout out to ishe though 39 years old he scored a victory that not a lot of people talked about last year against prospect frank galarza when he took a majority decision and this calendar year, the uh, wife of his children was was uh, murdered in Las Vegas, and it was a you know really tough time for him for for him to be able to battle back and put forth that performance. Shout out to Ishe, one of uh, he's ropes approved, one of my guys. All right, whether he had a boring early career or not, he survived the contender label. He won a world title. He cried in the ring, Rafe. He gave you some field spots during his time. But Rafe, that was the positive version of the. The negative washed performance from a fighter that we didn't really know or weren't sure was going to be washed, and we had a few runners up, all right? Washed Pacquiao versus Jeff Horn. Yes, oh, he man. was both oh. positive and negatively washed on the same night, and the fact that he <laughs> gutted it out, even though, why the heck is he in a war with Jeff Horn? Washed a gale against Caleb Truax and losing his title. Washed Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. against Canelo oh. in the May Super Fight. Wash Gamboa getting knocked out by Robinson Castellanos. That was a bad night for him. And your buddy, Wash Zhu Ming, 
losing by TKO to Shokamura in a uh, low-weight title bout, but the winner. Shout-out to Sergio Martinez on this one. It's washed Jorge Sebastian Island's wooden leg in his fourth-round TKO loss to Jamal Charlo, July 29th at the Barclays Center. Rafe, like... This guy couldn't even stand up to open the fight, and he gutted out four rounds. But like, what is happening here? This is like Martinez Cotto all over again. Yeah, it was. I mean, I can't really call you know Highland washed because he just had no leg. I mean, unless the leg is never coming okay, back. Okay, why are you taking that fight one and two? It's a wash performance if you go in there on one leg, knowing that. Like, come yeah. on. He, he certainly fought like the washed, and he deserves uh, he deserves this uh, dishonor. Uh, you know, the, the, the one one just disclaimer, side note, I feel like we should make, um, you know, uh, Juan Manuel Lopez did not fight in 2017. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, congratulations to all the nominees and winners of a uh, of a washi for being washed this year. But you guys know, you better know that all the washed awards would have gone to uh, Juan Manuel Lopez if his fight what was who's gonna fight Wilfredo Vasquez right no 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 he already beat him he's gonna fight uh the other another uh 130 poundish Puerto Rican fighter that unfortunately got canceled because of the hurricane earlier this year in Roman Puerto Rico Martinez? which is not playing. Was he gonna fight What's, Roman Martinez or was it like I uh, believe that that sounds right junior. that has a good ring to it I'd take that's a good washed fight. If you're gonna book the rest of uh of washed Juanma's career um. I'd see. I'd do the Gamboa fight. Finally, I would do. Is Salito? No, Salito would would take a soul quick, right? If you ran that back um, for a third time, for a no third reason. time, probably Salito is still tough. That's the problem. You can't. You, you you know, if if Juanma is in there against a guy who can take his punch, then it's gonna get ugly. Yeah, yeah. How about Wash Litzau? How about my guy, Wash Litzau at, at one? I would. Third? Yeah. I, I mean, Litzau could probably use a a, a a cash infusion. You know, why not? Hook it up. I, I'd love Wash Litzau. Uh, you know, I mean, Adrian Broner washed him pretty good back in the day. That might have been oh, my God. favorite Adrian, Adrian Broner highlight, Sent and there are hell, many. Yeah. Sent him to hell in Mexico at that time in Cancun. Uh, was that the night of, by the way, was that the night of, I could be wrong, of that really, really good Kirkland uh, fight, a brawl against, uh, against Angulo. the caveman, Angulo. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A, that was a great night in boxing history. Rafe, we wanted to give an award <laughs> to both guys who are hopelessly washed themselves now, yeah. Kirkland and Angulo. We wanted to give a washi to the <laughs> the oh my god punch of the year. Now this is not necessarily the KO of the year, but one punch that sort of dramatically changes the momentum of the fight or creates the biggest guttural reaction. And that sound effect, of course, is from 2011, Andre Berto against uh, Victor Ortiz when Ortiz was on the verge of possibly being stopped and then lands that left hook and Stewart is oh my god. Uh, Rafe, the runners-up, uh, I don't have any runners-up, but I had one moment this year that produced the biggest reaction from one punch, and it did happen to be a KO, and it did happen to be a contender for KO of the year, and it was the rematch. Sri Siket Rungvasai, KO4 against Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, September 9th at the StubHub Center in Carson. Rafe, it was a very short left hook that first floored Chocolatito, and then when he got up in round four, the second one, you know, took straight up, may have taken the soul, and that was a holy crap reaction out of me. I mean, am I missing something? Because the washi to me goes to Sirius Cat for that punch where it was just like, whoa. Like, even with the knockdown before it, I didn't see that kind of follow-up coming. 
Yeah, I, I, I think I think you're right because I I happen to be in uh, auxiliary press uh, at the StubHub Center for this, um, you know, and uh, everyone sitting up there, you know, who uh, all these everybody's all the sort of boxing media crowd and hangers on and uh, and the, the, the everybody just looked at each other like what the hell just happened like it was it really did have that uh, that reaction from from everybody watching it it was oh my god oh. Um, but you know, I, I think, you know, Emmanuel also like to break those out for like the really brutal wars, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the body shots that would just sort of double a guy over. And I feel like, I feel like Badu Jack and James DeGale probably would have gotten a few, oh my gods out of him. Cause they were just going back and forth and punishing each other so, so badly. And there were parts of that fight where DeGale was so hurt trying to like, just run back and forth away from Jack while he's getting hit by those body shots uh, that I bet a couple of them there would be, there would have been, that was worthy of at least one or two. Oh my God. Yeah, I got two other runners up that right hook that Andre Ward hit to Sergey Kovalev that like really sped up his exit before Andre Ward started bowling for ball bags and to get him out of there. But that right hook that turned Kovalev's chin was like a whoa type of moment. And basically any punch to Takashi Mayora landed against uh, Mickey Roman there. And that, that might've been the most brutal fight of the year. Like that yeah. was abs. There was some punches that Roman got up from that. You're like, Again, like like I always say, like Gotti against Ward on that body shot, no business getting up from, right? Like Barker against Skeel, no business getting up from those type of body punches. So there was a few we could have handed out there. But Rafe, you know when one day when I start my boxing promotion, it's going to be hashtag old guy fights, and the whole promotion is going to be built around taking faded names and making fun fights out of them. So, of course, we wanted to give out the washi for hashtag old guy fight of the year. Your runner's up are Mauricio Herrera against Jesus Soto Carras on one of those fun Golden Boy ESPN Friday night cards, and Tony Bellew in that slugfest against one-legged David Hay. There can only be one. And your winner for hashtag old guy fight of the year, September 2nd in Mexico, Antonio Margarito, age 39, technical decision seven against a washed 31-year-old Carson Jones. Rafe, do you remember this fight? This was like washed on wash crime. It was old guys slopping it up. It was like fantastically awesome. Nice and sloppy. Yeah, no, and... It wasn't didn't wasn't there sort of like a weird ending on this? Didn't 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 the refs get involved in they something saved strange? Margarito basically he was losing or he should have been losing on on a, on two of the three cards basically, and they sort of stepped in to stop it. It was a little bit funky. Well, I'm 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 uh, I'm grateful they did because it keeps alive the real old guy fight prize at the end of the rainbow here, maybe in 2023, and that's Cotto Margarito three. Oh wow! And that and by the way, after that fight. That was what Margarita was talking about. That win kept his hopes alive to get that trilogy fight. I mean, five years from now, if Cotto doesn't fight again, remains retired, I fully expect Antonio Margarito to be at his... Well, Cotto probably isn't getting in that Hall of Fame class because there's too many other better fighters. But whenever Cotto does go in the Hall of Fame, uh, I do fully expect Antonio Margarito to be there in the front row with like chomping a cigar with some sunglasses on, <laughs> clapping very slowly, going like, yes, Miguel. With you know. an iPad, yeah, in his hand. By the way, yeah. it, like, do you have to hope that Miguel's like promotional career goes a little bit under, makes some bad investments, and then, you know, two years from now, he's like, I got to come back. What are my options here? I, 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 can do, have the, I, I just I, hope that I just hope that either HBO or Showtime or whoever is there to uh, to record that moment where he explains to to his <laughs> wonderful wife, Melissa, 
what else can I do? This is it. What else I have I, nothing. What else can I do? Uh, I just say if he comes back and they dial up Tony, that would probably be the grossest, sloppiest old guy fight since like what, like Duran Leonard three. Although that was like a mismatch old guy fight. I mean, that's just. It's one of the. It's like oh, Hopkins Jones too. Hopkins Jones too is a really bad I, old guy fight. That was a gross one. I would say it would be as. I mean, I, I don't know if this counts as an old guy. That's pretty old. Maybe as gross as Mickey Rourke versus the homeless guy in Russia <laughs> from a few years ago. That's, a, That's it's <laughs> really gross. <laughs> that was as gross as uh, as that other fixed fight Mayweather McGregor. No, no, just I was just I was kind of half kidding there. Rafe, uh, we do like sloppy fights. We like hashtag sloppy Super Bowls, and we do have a washy this year for the hashtag sloppy Super Bowl fight of the year. And look, this can be a fight that sometimes crosses into old guy fights. Sometimes it's a sloppy matchup with brawlers. Sometimes it's just a fight that we expect to be sloppy and fun and entertaining that we want to see and that we love. So your runners up this year for the hashtag sloppy Super Bowl of the year. Luis Colazzo with a sixth-round knockout against Sammy Vasquez in an under-the-radar PBC fight that was, like, all action and blood. And I don't know if you remember this heavyweight fight early in the year. Dominic Boobs Brazil with a fifth-round KO over... I, how do you pronounce this guy? Izu Agbi Ugono. This guy was, like, willing to empty his soul into the ring to try to get a victory. He would not stop coming forward. Those were sloppy, fun fights. But, Rafe... The washi goes to John Molina Jr., KO3, Ivan Redcock, December 15th, Lancaster, California. You were there. Tell us about this fight. Oh, man. I This is a well-deserved sloppy Super Bowl of the year. I mean, and and I, I just had this feeling. You know, I saw that card. You had, you know, Jesse Vargas come making, a, making a sort of first fight after since losing to Pacquiao. And you had the weird Diego Chavez coming back out of nowhere to get, you know, with his finger-bang fans. And, and then this <laughs> fight, you know, Molina and Redcock, you know, and, and I, you just knew something weird or – funny or, or, or memorable was going to happen. And I, I don't think I expected it to be nearly this good, but that fight was a just fantastic live every, like as soon, cause after that first Molina knockdown where he got, he got sent into the ropes, looked and badly hurt by Redcock, who was just faster, sharper, better than him for the first couple rounds of that fight. But then you saw, you almost saw, I, I had this thought. Redcock, as soon as, because he knew it was a good knockdown and he was hurt bad, he ran over to the corner and jumped up onto the ropes, doing pumping his fist like he won. And Molina beat the count. And I mean, I remember, you know, I, Molina, uh, Molina Matisse. It's a once Molina is like hurt and can throw. He get he's one of these guys who's almost more dangerous when he's hurt. Right. Because then he just, he's just fighting on instinct and he's like wailing with that gigantic with that huge right hand that in person Molina like you can see him it you don't notice him loading up on it quite the same way when you watch him on TV. I mean you see it, but in person you're like, oh wait, no, he's really only just walking like slowly chasing a guy around in circles and try and like just go, go winding all the way up to throw that right hand and he landed it and oh my and then and, and this the whole crowd jumping up you know going crazy and the last two rounds of that were, were super fun and worth worth the drive up there to Lancaster uh, I wanted to ask you Brian I'm glad you brought up Dominic Brazil Briazale something uh I think matched correctly he has 
like a like Orlando Salido potential in the sloppy Super Bowl category. Wow, you you see, do you remember his sloppy Super Bowl against Amir Mansoor? Yes, that was cool. That was a crazy like you just you you get Brazil Brazil in there with like the Fred Cassie types, the the sort of those the Lenroy Thomases of the world. Bring our British guy David Price, the White Rhino, with the bulge of the year, the bulge of the millennium <laughs> on that dude. You know, get some of these hard hitting, not too good heavyweights and make some sloppy Super Bowls, you know, uh, you and, and sloppy... the winner can get a shot at Shannon Briggs. How about a sloppy Super Bowl card with uh, Boobs Brazil against Chris Areola and like Andy <laughs> Ruiz Jr. against Fred Cassie? Like that, that's a PBC doubleheader from like, you know, like sponsored yeah, we'll get... by a male girdle device. Yeah, we'll get Gil, Gary Shaw to co-promote that on some, you know, Native American reservation. Like that's got it. That's got me written all over it, Rafe. All right, Rafe, we have way too many awards to get through because it was that fun of a year. The James Kirkland Black Pill Performance of the Year, which, of course, goes to the fighter who, uh, you know, came into the ring and, and walked into a, a coma, basically, and was not them their full selves. The runners-up is uh, Fat Berman Stavern against Deontay Wilder, Chris Avalos against Leo Santa Cruz, Sergey Kovalev in the rematch with Andre Ward. But you're washing for... 2017, the Jacobs Kirkland Black Pill Performance of the Year, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. against Canelo Alvarez, you know, Cinco de Mayo weekend in Vegas, the pay-per-view fight to be forgotten that we only remember for, by God, that's Triple G's music coming in afterwards. By the way, I could have given this to uh, Conor McGregor's punching power versus Floyd Mayweather, <laughs> but it didn't It didn't really work. Rafe, this had to be the most disappointing big fight of the year, disappointing performance from one man uh do you think he took the wrong pill ahead of the fight or do you think he uh what's going on here you know yeah there might have been he, there might have been a black pill involved uh or or maybe you know john david jackson slid in there to uh to mix something in the water it was bad it was real bad he laid down he didn't do you know he just stood there i guess you know he he, he showed that the one thing he still has that chin where he could, he could hit him with a brick most of the time unless you're unless you're the great andrew andy fanfara uh you know you're you probably aren't going to be able to knock out uh julio cesar chavez uh you know at least not at canelo weight <laughs> um but yeah, you know, it, it, it sucked, man. It, it, I, I, I hated boxing that night. I really did. So uh, Black Pill goes to, uh, to Junior. All right. All right. The Ron Stander Crowd Participation Hall. This is an award. This is an induction into the Hall of Fame. And Rafe Pryor inductees for the Ron Stander Crowd Participation include Manny Pacquiao's mom, Ruslan Provodnikov's mom, Cedric Agnew's parents dressed in church clothes in Atlantic City. <laughs> Will Rosinski's <laughs> girlfriend, the cornhole Diego Chavez fan, and this year's uh, Hall of Fame recipient. Cross streams there. It's uh, Terrence Crawford's family. I mean, is there anybody better right now in boxing today than uh, screaming from the crowd and making a, a big scene? It's fantastic. Yeah, no, the best crowd shot, I think, you know, in boxing, at least the most reliable one, the one that you know is coming. Now, you know, you know, something like Ron Stander, we didn't know Ron was going to be in in the in the arena in Omaha that night, you know, shadow boxing, looking awesome. Uh, but uh, Terrence Crawford's family, you know, they're coming out, you know, they're rolling deep, like like a couple dozen people, family and friends, and they are going to be losing their minds whenever, like at every knockdown, every when they when he finally wins. Just the, the the immediate reaction shots. Everyone just crawl, jumping over each other. Just it, it's 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 it, the 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 sort of the jubilation of those moments is infectious and and also 
fun and interesting because it's at such odds with Terrence Crawford's public persona as this sort of man who speaks in monotone at all times and very hard for the media to, 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 to draw, uh, you know, fun out of. Uh, but, you he, he, you know, it, it at least gives you that glimpse that, oh, no, he's a real dude under there. He just hasn't figured out how he wants to present it in the press. But he's he's out there having a good time. You can tell. <laughs> Rafe, why don't you take us into the next award, the Melissa Cotto Lifetime Achievement Award? Well, gee, man, this is for the boxing fans out there who I, I you, you see them on Twitter. They, uh, they've, you know, during every Cotto fight, there was a sort of a, a, a sort of sub conversation about what is Melissa going to wear to the fight because uh, you, you've sort of seen her. I, I don't know change over the years i don't there's no way to talk about this <laughs> that way that makes me comfortable but she uh miss you know as as famous as uh, as miguel is melissa has her own uh, fan fan base and she uh, she gave us she gave that fan base many many years of uh, of of revealing outfits and uh, i'm sure she will be missed and uh, it goes to her, and, uh, you know, she'll live a long life with <laughs> Mr. Nuts. <laughs> That's right. So which makes them the power couple of of the, the, the of having, you know, very inflated, uh, you know, round objects. Uh, way to go, guys. You know, we make a lot of jokes about Mr. Nuts, but if you actually go back and watch, we play the audio a lot, but if you go back and watch that segment, man, is that disturbing. Oh, I mean, the oh, people God, have oh, gone God. too far. It makes you, you get the, the, the oh, hell no, anytime, because people make gifts of it now. You just have the gifts of, of you know, Kodo in the compression shorts with his balls going up and down like, 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 a, like the, uh, like a perpetual motion machine Dude, or those, or like the, 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 like a, like a pendulum. It's just brutal. I, I don't want to tease that back. I'm sorry. Um, Rafe, the man in the black hat fight of the year award. We, of course, remember the uh, bad scorecards and the Amir Khan loss to Lamont Peterson from 2012, I believe. And, and, the man and the Khan revealed his investigation revealed that it was due to the man in the black hat who came to the ring apron uh, mysteriously in Washington, D.C. while those scorecards were going in. So what happened? What did the man in the black hat do? Exactly. This year's worst scorecard. I, there's no nominees. There's one winner. One eighteen, one ten for Canelo Alvarez against Gennady Golovkin. Rafe, I like this was so bad. I legitimately can't give you a second place finisher because I don't think there was any one fight or one scorecard that was this egregious that jumps out to you. Also, in the worst possible moment, like I'm sure if you actually if we research this, we could find a, a scorecard this bad. It's not that they're they're like especially in those those weird unanimous decisions where in like ten round fights where it's sort of like a prospect is stepping up a little bit but not a lot. And then he gets pushed and it's basically like a five five fight in terms of rounds. It should be like a draw or something. And then the cards are you know are are five you know like like six four six four. 10-0 shutout. You know, I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> cards like that out there. Um, we know they exist. But this this put a huge stain on what, you know, on, on the biggest fight of the year that should have also, you know, really just been a huge moment in boxing. And it, it uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it blue balled us, you know. I mean, and, and man, you know, nothing is worse for an adolescent than getting those blue balls. I, I, I couldn't disagree or agree with you more. Uh, we got an award called the Lenny Bowtie Jobber of the Year Award with bonus points for coming to the ring in tennis shoes. A lot of people remember that December 2014 card from Las Vegas, headlined by Amir Khan and Devin Alexander. And on that undercard, Lenny Bowtie from France came in to lose to no, one no, of No, no, he's the, Italian, isn't Italian. he? Italian, so my, my bad there. 
Did he lose to Thurman or one of the Charlos? I, my, my... No, Jermel Charlo. He lost to Jermel Charlo in that fight. I don't know. Or maybe it was Jermel. Oh, it was Jermel because he got knocked out real quick. And he had um, really bad tats, but even worse, he had tennis shoes. And our runner With, like, high athletics, like just some crew socks you might buy at a Walmart or something. Uh, it was he, – he did not look – he did not look – he did not look the part of a uh, of a qualified opponent along the – the lines of, uh, oh, Jorge Sebastian Highland, you know, and something about the lower bodies of uh, Jamal Charlo opponents. Nothing can never quite get it right. Uh, our runner up is Joe Smith Jr., who went from Cinderella Man status a year ago, sending uh, Bernard Hopkins to hell to losing to Sullivan Barrera and his step up performance here. He is a, a unionized uh, construction worker. But there there's one winner, Rafe, and I want to play a little sound of our Lenny Bowtie Jobber of the Year award. Tickets have flown for this local derby here between... 23-year-old Josh Kelly, the so-called rising star with the heavy promotional backing and the plasterer for the local council. But he's also a technically accomplished former amateur, Tom Whitfield, who's had to fight to even fight. Rafe, he's had to fight to (laughs) even fight, and Tom Whitfield will not only be in the main event, he will be driving your cab on the ride home. Oh, a well-deserved uh, washi for Tom Whitfield. You know you are screwed in a boxing match when the when the announcer or when the, the broadcast team has to describe you as the plasterer from the local council. Like he came straight from the drywall to fighting, you know, a, a former Olympian who they are like who 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 is being called perhaps ridiculously the British Lomachenko. We may get back to this later, but uh, you know, he was said he was sent in there to get blown out by Josh Kelly and that's exactly what happened. But uh, he, he, so, you know, he is the jobber of the year. Congratulations on the washi. And um, you know, uh, by all means, if you're out there in uh, in the UK near uh, the the local council where where Tom Whitfield works, please hire him to do your plaster. Cause he is a, uh, he, 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 you know, he, he he's he's the kind of guy who you know he, he he could use that help. You see him give his blood, sweat, and tears in the ring. At least let him do your plaster for you. <laughs> at least at least let him put it in your sidewalk. I mean, come on for the for the love of boxeo, uh, Rafe. The Jim Lampley Award for the biggest tear jerking moment of 2017. It doesn't go to to Lampley's emotional speech he gave after Miguel Cotto's final appearance or that speech on the couch after playing the video of the kids. For us, for our washi. It goes to saying goodbye to a guy that gave us so much love and fun and moments, and I know he wouldn't want to hear us talking about him like that. Stop that crap! Stop it! Stop it! But Teddy Atlas was unceremoniously pulled from his ringside analyst position on ESPN Boxing after, what, 17, 20 years, something like that. And, Teddy, we got one thing to say to you. I love you! I make you a Okay. I mean, Rafe, it's, it's a sad moment. It's the end of a true era. And and I know we we've hit on this a lot in the past, but this was one of my sadder moments right there. I mean, you know, listen, I, it, I don't feel good about it still. I'm not I'm not prepared to 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 deliver this, but I, all I can imagine, you know, that, that thinking of is that moment at the end of the broadcast where Lampley puts the glasses on, and you know he starts to get a little watery behind those lenses, and he starts telling you about everything that Teddy has given to this sport, everything that he has meant to the fighters he trained, the connection he had, the wild antics that thrilled some list, some viewers, and what he meant to all of us here in the boxing family, and all of a sudden the tears start falling, because man, uh, you know, he's not, but he is any, Teddy is anything but the, uh, the classically trained, uh, polished kind of 
you know, traditionally good sports announcer, but he was our guy and we got used to him and he gave shoot. I mean, I don't know what we're going to do on this show next year. If we can't mind Teddy's crazy comments for, for half of our, half of our drops, but we're going to try and soldier on and uh, you know, thank you, Teddy. Adios. It was, uh, you know, we're, we're shedding a lamply tear for you. I put the lime in the coconut. I mix it all up. I put the lime in the coconut. I drink it all down. Rafe, we play a lot of sound for the great late, the late great Emmanuel Stewart from his, oh my God, to his, you know. To the moment he gave after or Victor Ortiz head-butted Floyd Mayweather, and Mayweather followed through with the sucker punch. Oh, hell oh, no. Oh, no. Hell no. Oh. Well, oh. This is the this is disgraceful. You know, this is when something disgraceful happens in the ring, takes away from the dignity and the honor of the sport. Uh, you know, something that just you, you, it, it happens and you can hear Emmanuel up there saying, oh, hell no. Hell no. Donna Stevenson is the last Kronk champion. Hell no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rafe, there's only one nominee and there's only one winner for this. Uh, you don't even get a drum roll. It's Uncle Darrell, and you remember that night, May 20th, the MGM National Harbor in Oxon Hill, Maryland. Jose Uzcategui wins a DQ, or loses. No, he won a DQ over Andre. I'm sorry. He lost by DQ. To, does it really matter at this point? No, it doesn't matter at this point, because this is what happened afterwards. Oh, wow. My, oh, Jesus. Oh, my goodness gracious. My gosh. That's inappropriate to say. That's way. assault, you guys. That's assault, brother, from Moro right there. Uh, that was I like Al, Al playing it safe there. That's uh, inappropriate to say the least. Uh, the two piece that he landed, Uncle Darrell on Jose Uzcategui, and was arrested for his actions. Yeah, that's about as bad as it gets, Rafe in Boxeo, right? Yeah, no, I, was t- I totally sucker punched the guy, you know, and, and Uzcategui. I mean, I, it's hard to tell. Maybe, uh, you know, if he even at the moment, you know, was thinking he should respond, or if he, you know, was just kind of like, "What the heck just happened?" But to his credit, he didn't just—he didn't immediately. It didn't—it didn't escalate from there uh, when it very well could have. And uh, that was probably that—that—that's that, a very good. There really was no other single moment that made you like, "Oh man, that's disgusting. Why'd you do that?" Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rafe, we didn't declare to, between each other the Mike Alvarado Turnup Award, and that, of course, is a shout-out to Alvarado the week of his trilogy fight against Brandon Rios a few years back. Pictures emerged on social media of Alvarado in a hotel room with some sketchy dudes, uh, one of them wearing that very famous jacket that shows up in a lot of James Bag Jr. memes that Bag once asked Alvarado on Twitter about, and he was like, don't show me that picture. I don't want to talk about it. Uh you know, normally this is an Adrian Broner award, but AB spent a lot of 2017 trying to be a new man. Was there one man on social media this year that just was constantly turning up that we were like, this guy deserves the nod? Well, I, I you know, I, I mean, I guess it's not that surprising that, uh, you know, that this guy ends up winning a lot of the uh, the boxing uh, washies, the comedy, the, the the lowlights awards. I would probably say, God, I would give it to uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who uh, turned up a little bit after losing to Canelo Alvarez and ended up being caught on video uh, with some some uh, strippers from the local council in Las Vegas who had found who, who whose room he had gone he'd gone up into somebody's room and they had his hand their hands all over him and he's kind of out of it laying back 
uh, and I guess that night he uh, he fell asleep, and uh, and they took his check for, for that 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 golden boy had cut him for over a million dollars for that for fighting that night. I hope he eventually did recoup his funds. I do not want him to lose the money, but man, that was a rough video, a rough moment, a rough night, uh, and he gets the uh, the Alvarado Turn Up Award for for me. Uh, that was a that was rough. There were rough looks on those girls' faces. There was a lot of rough going on in here, and that was a rough performance. I'm not sure he deserves that check. I mean, of course, for the beating he took, but that was just bad all together, Rafe. Let's just move on from there. He did turn up. Tyson Fury, by the way, he's a reformed man now, but he he's also a, a candidate to turn up at any time on social media and live up and live that life and be about that life. Rafe, we move on. A couple more to go here. A great 2017. So many awards, so many moments to to give love to. We want to have one award for the... Against who? Against who? Against who? Against who? What was the best ridiculous matchup this year a runner-up could be when Leo Santa Cruz coming off that Frampton win instead of fighting Abner Mars in a rematch like we all would have been okay with, he fights Chris Avalos in an unnecessary doubleheader, and Avalos is washed, and it was just bad. But there's one that was a little bit worse than that. Luis Ortiz coming back from a failed drug test a few weeks later in December faces Daniel Martz and gets a KO of the year candidate, just sends him to hell with one shot. Uh, This was a bad match up. This was bad that he was in the ring after the failed drug test. The only thing that we got from it was that that colorful and comical Wild and Ortiz rant in the ring afterwards. Make sure you train hard because I'm coming to whoop your ass. <laughs> Our guy Rafe Flores jumping in there. We apologize, Mama. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, Rafe, that's about as bad as televised Mitch matches go, right? I mean, maybe whoever the guy that Abner Maris fought could be in this conversation too that night. I would say I, I do want to I do want to uh, give a shout out to Chris Avalos for having one of the toughest chins in boxing, as Sergio Mora <laughs> reminded us 75 times, even though we'd seen him get wa- Avalos get washed and knocked out a couple times previously. Um, still one of the toughest chins in boxing. Yeah, that was bad. Um, but yeah, you know, Ortiz Martz makes sense. I mean, I kind of have a little sympathy for, cause they had to just throw it together. You know, Ortiz is getting reinstated after, after, uh, his, the, the whole misunderstanding with his blood pressure medicine. Um, you know, these things happen. They had to throw a fight together on, you know, kind of short notice. Uh, I'm still, I don't know. There's something about me. I'm crazy, man. I'm still, I'm still hoping for some kind of good outcome from this Luis Ortiz saga. That there will be a Wilder fight eventually, and it will be good, or that they'll, they'll, they'll somehow salvage the mess of the past couple of years. Yeah, I, I hope. All right, Rafe. Couple <laughs> more to go here. Take us into this next one here. This, this is getting me fired up. All right. This is the, uh, the quote-unquote Welsh Mayweather GTFO nickname award. For a fighter who just had, and well, for a nickname that's just like GTFO, man, like that, you don't deserve that nickname. <laughs> and of course, Lee Selby, the 126 town pound title holder out there from uh, from Wales uh, in the UK, uh, is called the Welsh Mayweather because he's a pretty slick boxer. He doesn't have great punching power, but he's undefeated so far and and winning against a lot of uh, you know plasterers and plumberers and things of that so- sort. Against who? He's he's an against who candidate. He's having a bit of an against who career, but they say he's willing to fight these Frampton and Santa Cruz types. I say let's see it happen. But anyway, at this moment in Lee Selby's career, anyone calling him 
the Welsh Mayweather, including Lee and anyone else in the Selber in the Selby family. GTFO, man. So I I would and there's another British prospect who I believe deserves this uh, award this year. And that go and we heard him. He fought, knocked out Tom Whitfield, the plasterer from the local council. This is Josh Kelly, a five and zero British prospect. Actually, looks very good, fast, cool combinations, flashy. His Box rec nickname is Pretty Boy, which is fine. He's a good-looking kid. You know, makes sense. But there are, I saw some videos on YouTube calling him the Welsh. I mean, not the Welsh. The British Lomachenko. Oh, come GTFO, on. Oh, man. Hell, hell no. Uh, give it some time. You know, he's 5-0. and He's... Beating local plasterers. Let's 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 see him do some Lomachenko type stuff against some actual good fighters, and then maybe we can call, start calling him like the you know the 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 mild you know British uh, imitation of Lomachenko. It's, that's that's huge praise. And and while I think that guy is actually very good, I hope he goes on to have a career close to earning that. Pump the brakes and GTFO for now. You ain't no British Lomachenko or Welsh Mayweather. I like to call myself the uh, the Connecticut Litzo. That's kind of that's kind of how. That's actually a, a, an acceptable nickname, though. You both you're both washed. Um, you both you both were a little bit overrated in your primes. Uh, we're both American and, boys. Uh, yeah. I was rooting for Celestino Caballero to kick both of your oh, asses. My. You know, when it comes to victories that you stood on your couch for, you know, I like to reference De La Hoya Mayorga, but don't forget when Litzau beat both uh, Celestino Caballero and didn't he beat uh, our guy, our guy we met in the casino that night. Uh, uh, you know who I'm talking about. We met about. a lot of guys in a lot we, of casinos, we, we had, man. It's we, been a rough, you know. Uh, uh, well, you know who he didn't meet quite famously, though, was Darren Barker. That is a great point. <laughs> who was that guy? The guy who, who was like the Susan Lucci of the low weight class. He could never win a title yet. He was in like... Rocky 30, Fuentes? He was in like... No, Rocky Juarez. Rocky Juarez. Juarez, Juarez. Didn't, didn't Litzau beat him, too? Wow, this is a great podcast. And yeah, I this can, is, you know. Hey, you're the Litzow. Like, you're the Litzow guy over here, not me. Yeah, it just proved how wash I am. All right, Rafe, uh, three more to go here. We we like to say a lot that after a devastating knockout, you know, sometimes the the kind that send you right right directly into Washville that you could have your soul taken. And of course, we remember some great sound bites from the great Ann Wolf. He took his nuts. Now you gotta take his heart. Yeah, take his whole soul away. So the award for the Ann Wolf Memorial Soul Tooken Award. For most brutal knockout, the runner-up is uh, Arthur Spielka against the uh, the Polish caveman Adam Konaki. That was certainly, <laughs> certainly. But there's one winner. Andy Fanfara, TKO2 against Adonis Stevenson in their June 3rd light heavyweight championship rematch from the Bell Center in Montreal. Uh, you know what Fanfara found out the hard way, Rafe? <laughs> Oh, I, I can imagine. Hey, that black guy, he hits hard. Uh, wow, he there's soul uh, removed. If Joe Smith Jr. didn't take a soul versus via KO one the year before, then it might be over for our guy, right? At this point, right? Yeah, I I I I fully expect him to be fighting on a PVC card next year, and uh, at least one announcer saying that he has one of the hardest chins in boxing moments before he gets let out of the cage and knocked out. There, there it is. Uh, Ray, we like to share. Ray, we shout out the great Ray Torres, the former HBO Spanish interpreter on many great broadcasts, who gave that soundbite that we just played, and is of course so well known for the. Come on, let me let me put some water on your balls. Uh, come on, let me do it. Uh, this year's award for uh, best soundbite in that category, Rafe, that we regularly play on the show. Do you want to reveal? 
Oh, that's. I mean, we know what it is already. The 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 great ESPN uh, broadcaster Bernardo Osuna during the Oscar Valdez Genesis Cervania fight. Uh, there was a moment in the uh, in the corner before the eleventh uh, or twelfth round, and uh, you know they, they needed to uh, to cool somebody down. That's such great stuff. Cool them down. The best soundbite, uh, you know, interaction of the year in boxing in 2017, Rafe. It, look, it, this may not be a schedule of the war here, but it's got to go to what's now off the table because of that Teddy removal. But the Teddy Stephen A. feud from this year was really epic. We play a lot of it on here. It was Carnival TV at its best. It was first take a Jace. But we got such gems as like... The fact of the matter is with this judge, you eliminate this person. You make sure Judge Bird is not around. She will be working again. I make you a bet. I love you. I make you a bet. Okay. We should be. We should forget about the robbery because it was a good fight. What if it wasn't a good no, fight? No, you don't forget about it. We, no, you don't forget about it. That's what happens. No, you don't forget about it. That's what happens. That's what happens. Let me ask you a question. We start Let me ask you a question. No, 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 no. Let me ask you a question. Behavior. I want to go to history. I want to go to history. I want to go to history. What I'm talking about. Hold on. Hold on. Listen. That's what I'm talking about. That's the history. Who loves any administrator? Who loves any administrator? What sport does this happen on a regular? Who loves administrators? What other sport does this happen to on a regular basis? None. What other sport do you see people saying we love the administrators? What's wrong with you, Teddy? I mean, even in the NFL, everybody decries or Roger Goodell. Nobody loves administrators. Don't twist it around because you're a college graduate and you're trying to twist it around and be real quick on your words stop that crap stop it stop it how many gems did we get from that over this calendar year remember when teddy turned his back to the monitor when he was that, that was amazing i've never seen that on television before uh you know the the, uh, the guy you know he got so worked up he just turned his back to the cameras because because Stephen A. Smith was doing a remote was speaking remotely from Las Vegas after the Canelo Triple G fight. And so he just faced the big screen with Stephen A. on it and is yelling directly into it. And you can tell the ESPN producers and cameramen were trying to sort of angle and move their move their cameras around to the other side so they could at least get a, a, a glimpse of, of of Teddy's face. Um, and they just couldn't find it. It was a uh, it's. I know that this is probably a little, you know, controversial to some of our listeners who, who who don't appreciate Teddy's antics, and that's fair. You don't, you know, it is he's an acquired taste, and and also a taste that I understand. You know, it makes sense if you're just sick of it and don't want to deal with it anymore. Um, but I'm with you, man. I this 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 chemistry is so weird and fun, and unlike anything else you see anywhere, you know, I I am one of the people, you know, who's like keep boxing weird, or at least. Leave yes. some of that in there for us, you know? And that's part of the argument against losing Teddy Atlas right now. Even as ESPN and Top Rank want that that series to be as legitimate as possible, want it to be like HBO-level stuff on regular cable TV. But they, of course, had a rematch. And as we give them our, our, our Soundbite of the Year award, we it, I may like the rematch better. And here it is. Fast food? I mean, do you yeah, think that does. Does make a fast food? Yeah, it's it's exactly what it does. Da, 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 da. 
well-deserved oh, awards there. Brian, I love that. You know what? You know, listening to those clips, the thing that I, one of the things that makes it work is that Stephen A is willing to engage Teddy in those insane metaphors that don't really make any sense but like Stephen a is just willing to meet him there and be like what kind of burgers Fred? what kind of burgers teddy you know it's like it's, a, it's like it's like well what if, what if you put water below the basement what if you get a what if you put a deer on the windshield like you know it just like they they just get they just drive each other to this weird surreal place which is Kind of hard to understand, you know. It's a little incoherent, but it is. Uh, I, I'm I'm there to rubberneck the whole way. Yes, yes. Final award for 2017, Rafe, is the In This Corner Boxing Guest of the Year. Your runners-up, Roy Jones Jr., who who brought it uh, in in his appearance uh, this year, late in the year, and the Warlock himself, Gareth A. Davis, during our Canelo Triple G Media Row sort of telling us tales of British lore, just dropping some gold on us. But the winner, Eddie Hearn, who we proved, Rafe, is, in fact, ropes approved, and he would hang with us. A question that we had tossed around for years was answered during his appearance on our show this year. It won't be the last time, Rafe. It may not. One day, one day we will have our moment raising Pilsners together in Vegas. And if we could get him to FaceTime in Darren Barker, we may be able to go back and repair history, Rafe. I hope so, Brian. I just really firm talk about this for a minute because this was your white whale for years you've been think you've been saying Eddie Hearn looks like a, a real like like he would bro down with me Eddie Hearn looks like we would be we, we could you know throw back a pint of warm brown ale pumped from a cask instead of the this tacky electric American stuff that we use here you know we'd throw back that pint and watch a little football and talk boxing together you know and I mean soccer football not American football. Um, and, and, and I was always like, nah, man, it'll never happen. Like he's, this guy is boxing royalty from the local council, except the local council is the entire country of Britain. And, and, and no, he came in down to earth and really, you know, I think he, he, he would, you know, you, as long as you're willing to don the waistcoat, you know, uh, and, and dress proper, look like a decent human being for once. Um, you know, I think Eddie Hearn would be right there with, what does it mean? You finally got confirmation. You and Eddie could be boys. What does it mean to you? I can't really put it into words. It's some that the foundation has been laid for such a great future in that relationship. I think we can really go places. I think that, hey, we might we may be able to do a live podcast from a, from a pub at one point. We may be able from a hotel where we may be able to take this relationship much further. And I mean, you know, you want to talk about sharing stories of the Kalsagi days, the Darren Barker days. One day, Rafe, this is just the beginning. And to find out that he's ropes approved, he's on our level. He may be wearing waistcoats and pumping in millions from his family's snooker dynasty on, on, on a British cable TV promotion. But uh, he's one of us, Rafe. All right. And there are very few in boxing these days that are or that we would want to be in this carnival of, uh, of weirdos. But that was 2017. Rafe, let's close by briefly looking ahead. All right. Let's start like this. You can make one fight in a perfect world for 2018 that you can guarantee we see. What's that choice for yourself? Oh, you know what? I'm gonna play the. Uh, I'm 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 gonna play it straight here and just say what boxing needs, in which I've been skeptical in the past, but I hope I am wrong. Prove me wrong. Make the rematch. Triple G, Canelo. Do it again. Do it in May. Don't do it in September. Make this right, please. 
That's a great choice, and it's uh, you know it's going to entertain. That's the best part about it. So that's why even though that scorecard was so egregious, it did produce a rematch that matters now. That how is it not going to entertain? Like it's going to be great. Um, I could easily say, of course, Wilder and Joshua. We've talked in the past why pushing that off to 2019, even though I'm not a pusher, may not be the worst thing. So if I'm not going to just take your choice and I'm going to give one more, the fight I need to see that I want to see for all of us is Keith Thurman, Errol Spence Jr., so we can know without a doubt that outside of Terrence Crawford, who's the best welterweight in the world? Who's the best welterweight on that PBC side? How long have we been waiting and hoping that Mayweather would face Thurman or that all these guys would finally face off? Rafe, this is sort of that Super Bowl, right? We had it for a hot second with uh, Thurman Porter two years ago. We had it, we thought, earlier this year with Thurman Garcia, which was a decent fight but didn't live up to expectations. Thurman Spence is next level. That's our welterweight glamour division Super Bowl. Come on, you Fired up? I'm fired up. I hope it happens. I hope that Thurman, you know, makes it back into the ring early in 2018 and feels and looks good enough that he's willing to make that fight. Now, if it doesn't happen, I won't. I'm not gonna like go crazy and and get mad at PBC and Al Heyman and Thurman and say, you know, say they're stalling it just yet, just because that looked like a a serious elbow injury and he needs that to punch. Uh, if 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 it ha- if he, if they can't get it together right away. I'm willing to just, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt for now. All right. All right. Uh, in the 2018 dystopian nightmare prediction, Rafe, can we uh, sort of predict knowing that it's an every other year thing, knowing that boxing loves to sort of take one step forward and 14 steps back. Uh, what do you got for sort of a uh, don't look now, but this could ruin our year. Oh my God. So many, th- I mean, well, let's, let's just say, you know, Conor McGregor is going to come back to boxing and, uh, and, and hijack, you know, all the media and attention for, for three months, for a quarter of the year, whether it's a good year or bad year, we're losing it to some kind of fake boxing fight. Conor Manny would be so bad because Manny can't talk. Imagine how bad that buildup would actually be. Manny can't talk. Like, what is that going to be? I I want to give a good fight to the people. I respect Conor. He's a good fighter. Um, uh, God bless. Uh, thank you. I mean, are you kidding me? That's a nightmare prediction. That's pro- I mean, it's not. It's hard to say probably going to come true, but why wouldn't it? Wait, Conor McGregor has a hundred million reasons to do whatever he wants, right? Until the UFC finally strips him of his title, which wouldn't even matter anyway, because he's all he wants is super fights against GSP. Anyway. I mean, it's just so. My prediction is just that Oscar will find a way to screw us. Oscar will find a way to keep Canelo busy against Billy Joe Saunders, against anybody but Golovkin, and try like heck, hope maybe Canelo fights in May against Saunders and then gets an injury and doesn't come back in the fall, and we have to do Canelo Triple G2 when, you know, Triple G's like 38 another year. from. And that's kind of the, on the highest level, that's the worst-case scenario. It really is, because that's the fight that casual fans dialed into outside of the the Maymac and seem to really love it and seem to want more even with adolescent bird. So that's stop. Stop. I make you a bet. <laughs> uh, Rafe, I want you to tell me who's your prediction for 2018 fighter of the year. Oof. All right. This is a good one. Um, I am going to say, uh, you know what? No, I, I'm going to go with the out, out of, go a little out of the box here. Go a little out of the box and say Badu Jack. Wow. If he gets the fights, if he gets the Stevenson fight and can win that, and maybe because it's a, it's a it, it you know it's weird that this is this depends on um, PBC matchmaking, which we 
have seen doesn't really give fighters uh, a good chance at fighter of the year resumes. So maybe it's a really bad choice. But just the way his career is going, moving up to 175, if he ends up having, you know, winning that lineal title officially off of off of uh, uh, Donna Stevenson at some point in the year, and you know, having another decent win or two, uh, I would say he's going to need three good three wins probably because he's not a huge name. So if he has two other wins and looks good in all of them, takes the title off of Stevenson, he's my he's my dark horse for uh, for for fighter of the year. I like that. I like that. My pick is going to be Terrence Crawford. It's not going on a limb. It's not making a reach. I mean, ESPN just named him their fighter of the year. I just think that he had a rough year in getting big names in the ring. He's moving up to welterweight, even with the tiny cupboard of welterweights on the top rank side. If he fights Jeff Horn and wins that title and then can strum up the financial interest, let's say ESPN goes in with top rank to promote a pay-per-view and they give Manny the financial incentive to fight Crawford then maybe we see that, and then he can be your fighter of the year. And maybe with the thawing of the landscape in terms of PBC guys who can't get big fights in their own division, like what if Broner gets a win and then moves up to, you know, 47 and then says, all right, Al, let me go face, let me go face back here. Let's do this. Let's do this. And then Al says, all right, I can get him on ESPN. Like, this is going to be a big deal. I'm going to cash in. I just think there's ways here for Crawford to, to come out of this on top. He's so good. He's too good. I think Lomachenko is going to have problems getting – two to three really good opponents. So I think it's going to be Crawford. But Rafe, do you have somebody that you think is going to make the leap, whether it's a contender going to title status, whether it's a titleist now who's going to get to stardom? Who do you think is going to make that big leap this year? Oof. Uh, <clears throat> Let's say it's time for Jermel Charlo. Great, great call. Time for Jermel Charlo to push Al or whoever he needs to talk to at PBC to make that fight against Aris Landilara and really establish himself as the guy at 154 pounds. Get, I mean, and I don't know that he necessarily, I, that's a 50-50 fight to me. Um, but he's, I think Jermel Charlo has shown us enough. He's the smaller brother, the one who has not yet moved up to middleweight, by the way, if anyone is, is, is confused. Um, I think that he, that's a winnable fight. And if he did win it, if he, I mean, you know, we, Lara hasn't lost uh, clearly yet. Uh, if you beat Lara like that, that's a huge statement. And if he gets another good win or two and there's good fight, I mean, almost every fight at the top level of 154 is a good win because it's a, it's, it's a strong division. Uh, and, and so if he, if he gets a couple wins and, and take, becomes the man in that division, I would say Jermel Charlo is poised to make that leap. It was going to be my pick. I think that's a fantastic pick. I would not be against anybody picking Jermall Charlo, the middleweight, to make a, a even bigger leap this year. I think both guys are pound for pound like on that level of talent. They haven't beaten the guys to get that recognition, but they're on that level of talent. I question, for Jermall's sake, like who are the middleweights on P at PBC that you're going to face, right? Like who are the guys, like who are the names that are going to get you to that next level? That's why I, it makes it kind of hard. Uh, I think that's a, a great choice. I don't know if I necessarily have one guy that I think is poised to do the same. I mean, maybe, maybe Usyk if he wins that cruiserweight tournament. But still, there's only so far that goes in terms of reach to becoming a star. But the, at least the big leap for Usyk is if he can make jump to heavyweight and become True. and 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 win a, and you know beat somebody for real there. All right, what is your prediction to close here that will be the biggest 
fight for 2018, your dream fight. What is your dream fight that to make that? Or not? Let, let me let me clarify this. We already said the one fight we want to make. What do you think the fight that is going to be th- this year's biggest fight was? What May Mac or Triple G Canelo? What's going to be the biggest fight of 2018? I'm gonna throw this one a little bit of a little bit of uh, Campbell catnip out there for you. You know, get you a little riled up. He's been teasing it. He walks it back and forth all the time. Maybe this year it finally comes true. It happened. It happened. It'll happen. Oscar De La Hoya versus Conor McGregor. Oh, my God. So, so like, all craziness aside, that, like, I don't want to see Manny versus Conor at all. If it was Conor versus Pauly, it'd be, like, a train. But I'd watch. I would be interested. The trash talk, because you could make a case for both winning. Conor versus Oscar would be, that's a sloppy Super Bowl. That's. That's everything, right? And look, that does a million five draw buys, right? More. Why would you, think you don't think they could get over? I thought they could get two over two, maybe three going You're for right. that. Oscar's a big name. Yeah, that would be incredible. I was going to go with just straight up uh, Joshua Fury. I don't know what that would. I don't think it could be a pay-per-view in the United States. But I mean, so, you know, worldwide, that fight is giant right i mean financially in in europe i mean that fight is massive that fight would win the carl frotch award that fight would get the most people inside of a stadium there's no doubt about it that's the sort of dream fight biggest fight that i think can happen and i think will happen rafe that's uh 2018 any any other things you're looking ahead to in 2018 oh man uh you know whatever i'm looking forward to the unexpected man whatever whatever uh whatever boxing throws at us i i I, that's that's the best part of the sport is not all the stuff that we can't you know, see coming that comes and, you know, you tease the bag and sometimes it it smacks you in the face with something great. (laughs) How do I follow that? Uh, Follow, but you can follow us on Twitter at B Campbell CBS at Rafe Boogs. You can do a solid to the, uh, to the Boogs fund and purchase two and two McSorley's. My dad and me, a fine, one of the, one of the best read books of 2017 still available. Where can they buy this Rafe? Still available, Amazon, any of the online booksellers, probably still available in your book and mortar bookstore. If you choose to go to a uh, Barnes and Noble or Indie or something like that, check it out. Um, and it'll probably be coming out, or I'm, I'm sure it will be coming out in paperback next year if you are waiting to uh, to spend maybe half as much on it. We want to say that it's been for us Big gift to, people. to have so many listeners jump on board the ITC Box AO show after being fans of us on the, on the Grantland Ropes podcast two years ago, following us on this journey, being vocal, becoming part of the show, sliding in them DMs, hitting us up on Twitter. Shout out to the listeners, to the fans. We ramble on for an hour and a half every week or every other week because you guys like it and retweet it and, and enjoy it. And this is what we do anyway. So shout out to all the listeners who jumped on board, Rafe. This has been a fun ride relaunching this with you. You know it. I mean, this is this is the best thing. You, you get to you get to talk boxing with your buddy. You know, it's we're super lucky. It's awesome. And thank you for everyone who listens. All right, Ray. For 2017, it is now in the books. And looking ahead to the new year, do you have two words for the people? We out.